we all go through different phases in our lives where we are constantly forced to reinvent ourselves. If you stay stagnant, you're never going to be the best version of yourself that you can be, and you're not going to be happy. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life. But it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey. And that's what you're going to get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm Becky Fleischer, your host. And holy cow, you guys, we are deep into November already. Yikes. How'd that happen? Well, for me, I know exactly how it happened that I'm just looking up and realizing that not only is October over, but we're solidly halfway through November. I, I have had a super challenging few weeks. Actually, no. Let me revise that statement. It has been a super challenging few months, honestly. I bought a new house in August. Yay, it sounds so exciting, right? And it was. Except for that two weeks later, Hurricane Ida, you know, the second most damaging hurricane to make landfall in the United States, that Hurricane Ida, well, the remnants of that blew through the tri-state area where I live, causing severe flooding, severe flooding around here, really damaging to so many people. And I learned that my new basement wasn't as waterproofed as I had thought. Now... I was grateful, and I can't really complain about Ida too, too much, because people around here got it way, way, way worse, way worse. So that's not really what made it so hard. It was just more of an irritation and kind of a stressful moment to realize, like, eeks, this new house, the basement isn't as waterproofed as I had hoped. Okay, fine. So then following Ida, it just wouldn't let up, though. <laughs> like, it seemed like every week... We were getting those notifications on our phones, you know, the ones I have no idea actually where they come from. I don't know if it's the National Weather Service or how they even got permission to like blast these things through our phones. But everyone's phones were kind of like lighting up with this like buzzer that just it scares the crap out of people. It just kind of happens. But it's buzzing that there are all these flood alerts, flash flood warnings happening. And I feel like that was happening here Almost every week after Ida, I don't know what was going on, but we just kept getting all these heavy, heavy flood warnings and heavy storms. So a little water here, a little water there. I'm breathing. I'm wet vacuuming my basement. I'm being grateful that I wasn't in the south where Ida was really catastrophically devastating for so many. 
I'm grateful that my basement isn't as flooded as so many people around here. I'm grateful that I can manage this. I'm pulling on the gratitude thing. And even though it was stressful and a considerable pain in my ass, I'm not going to deny that, not to mention a considerable pain in my back to wet vac and haul all this water up and out of my basement, I was being grateful, right? Thinking, okay, it's going to get better. Can't rain like this forever. And then the week before Halloween, a nor'easter blew in and sat on top of us here in the tri-state area, dumping torrential rain for 48 straight hours. And the dam in my basement and the dam in my sanity all burst open at once. (laughs) That was it for me, you guys. Oh my gosh. I had a waterfall cascading down my walkway outside from all the water in my yard and a very active stream of water coming into my basement from a crack in my foundation. Oh, I will spare you the details of what went into the water mitigation in my basement, which isn't totally done yet. I mean, we're in mid-November. This happened at the end of October. I still have a little water coming in, but at least it's controlled and a solution is in sight. But I'm bringing all of it up because when I was in the worst of this situation, when the water was literally streaming into my basement full force like a faucet, and I was trying to manage my stress about it, and I was working so hard to try to identify what specifically was stressing me out so much. Because truth be told, my basement is unfinished. And luckily, the area where the water was coming in, it's far away from anything mechanical. So yes, it was physically taxing to keep up with the wet vac, to haul the buckets of water upstairs, to dump it out in an effort to kind of try to keep this flood contained. But at the end of the day, what was the worst that was really going to happen in my basement? It wasn't going to get to my mechanicals. So I was going to lose some baseboards and some drywall. The floor is tile and concrete, so it can take water. So really the worst that's going to happen is baseboards and drywall. But even getting perspective on that, I was still totally emotionally stressed out. And it finally hit me what it was that was weighing so heavily on me. And this was it. It was that I was in a liminal space. I was between the moments when my basement was dry and I couldn't get the water to stop coming in. I I just desperately wanted to get to the moment again when my basement was dry, but I could not get the water to stop. It wouldn't stop. And I had no idea how long it was going to take for my yard to dry up enough for it to stop coming in. And I had no idea what the fix was for this problem, or more importantly, how much this fix was going to cost me or how involved this fix was going to be. I just literally had to let the water run its course before I could see the way forward. And I was just reminded again how much it sucks. I mean, sucks just how hard it is to be stuck in these foggy in-between spaces and just how quickly we can get pulled into one of those spaces at any moment in time 
and how critical it is that we have the tools to navigate our way through. Now, I have been wearing out my tools for about the past month here. My meditation is on overdrive. (laughs) In addition to my regular sits, I have been catching five minutes kind of wherever I can. I've been journaling a ton, pages upon pages upon pages to get it all out. My friends have been there to help me. My contractor, God bless him. I've just pulled on every thread that I could get my hands on to keep it together and to just take the next step that's in front of me, to do the next thing in this kind of foggy in-between space. And honestly, I'm, I'm really more on the other side of it now. But in that worst time, really, when I got that awareness that I was in a liminal space, that in-between space, that just shifted everything for me. And it really freed up so much emotional and mental space. So I didn't have to carry that heavy weight on my shoulders. So I could keep going about how water has been dogging me these past few weeks, this past month. Uh, When all this was happening, I had a leak in my whole house humidifier. There was a door that was left open in a storm that soaked a carpet. I had a house water filter that was backed up and caked with dirt. And you won't even believe this. I can I can barely believe this, but if I'm lying, I'm dying. I swear to you, this just happened. As I'm typing up my notes for this intro, the water alarm went off in my house. I'm not kidding you. Luckily, that was an easy fix. A toilet chain got chinked in it, and so the water kept running to fill the tank. So that was an easy thing to fix, but it just was enough to trigger the leak detection system. So I can't seem to get away from water right now. And believe me, I am leaning into this liminal space, and I'm looking hard at what the hell I am supposed to be learning from all this water right now. I have actually had more than a few pretty remarkable insights and a few songs, surprisingly, that have sprung up out of this. No pun intended, or maybe the pun is intended. I'm not really sure at this point in time (laughs) what is intended and what's not. But uh, I'll share all of that with you guys for another time. But it's just interesting how challenging these liminal spaces can be, but also how fruitful they can be. It's it's been interesting for me to find myself like really deep in one right now. And it's also really ironic and kind of poetic that what's been keeping me from editing this episode and getting it out has been water. Because our guest today is Jennifer Weissman, the founder of Just Bones Boardwear, an award-winning swim apparel company that's been featured in Elle, InStyle, Vogue, and other major press outlets. And her swimwear was also worn throughout Ghost Shark, an original Sky movie. Now, Jennifer never set out to build a fashion empire. She just wanted a pair of board shorts that would fit her boys, who always seemed to be in between sizes. And they didn't quite fit the traditional fixed waist board shorts, which I can totally relate because I have a tall and lanky son myself. And the pants, it's a challenge. (laughs) The waistbands, it's a challenge. Now, she heard that little whisper that we talk about all the time, right? The whisper that kind of was telling her that, you know what? She should be the one to innovate and create a new adjustable waist board short 
And then she set out to do it, which is what we love, right? We love hearing the whispers and we love hearing the stories of people who do that and start to embrace the edge of becoming and really go with it. But just as she was starting to embrace that edge and really working hard to push past the obstacles that were standing in her path, she was hit by a car and sustained a brain injury. Now, she entered into a critical liminal space. And in our conversation today, we're talking about how she navigated her way through. She has written about this experience in her new book, Sink or Swimwear, which we talk about on the show. So let's carry on with the water theme. I'm embracing it now at this point, people. I've got something to learn from it. So there's a lot for me to learn. There was a lot for me to learn in this conversation with Jennifer. So let's jump right in to the deep end here with my conversation with Jennifer Weissman. I hope you enjoy it. Jennifer Weissman, welcome to Unleash Your Soul Song. I am so excited to talk with you today. Great. I'm really excited to speak to you as well. So this show is for soul seekers who are looking to embrace what we call the edge of becoming. And that's that place where you kind of, you're fighting through the unknown and you're kind of navigating the gap between where you are and where you feel your soul is calling you to be. And I know you've occupied that space in some really difficult and some really critical ways. But before we jump to that, I want to kind of ease our audience in. I've already told them a little bit about you, but I would love to hear more about Jennifer, the stay-at-home mom turned entrepreneur. So could you give us a little bit of color on what that phase of your journey looks like? Um, Yes, Becky, I can. So really, I was so excited to become a mother and um, even more excited to find out that we were having twins. We had twin boys and it was really tough in the beginning, as you can imagine, with no sleep uh, the first couple of years. But I was really thrilled to be a stay-at-home mother, even though I had worked a lot before we had our children. I had done a lot with the whole mommy and me classes and the musical classes and going everywhere with them to the mommy groups and making friends that way with mothers who had other children. I embraced doing the class mom thing, volunteering at the elementary school. I really spent as much time as I could with my kids at school, as much as they would allow me without being a stalker. Um, and, And I loved it. I loved being part of their lives as much as I could. And when they came at home, we did the play dates. We did all the after school activities. We were running around all the time and I would cook for our whole family every night. I just was a big part of their lives. And for me, being a mom and being part of my children's lives was extremely satisfying. And I enjoyed that immensely. And it was one trip that we made. We went on vacation and it was actually delayed due to an enormous snowstorm that just went all over the tri-state area. All the flights were delayed. We were delayed three days actually going to the Bahamas. We finally arrived and lo and behold, our, all of our luggage was, it was lost. So we did not get it until maybe, it was over 30 hours later. So we had to go shopping and nobody really thought to put their swimwear in our carry-on 
baggage, not baggage, but like our little, you know, backpacks and everything. So we had to go shopping for that. For some reason, it was always just really frustrating shopping for my two boys year after year when it came time for summer for their swimwear. And if it had fit them in the waist, it was kind of too tight everywhere else. If it fit everywhere else, it was too small in the waist. I mean, and also how tight can you tie those drawstrings before they look like <laughs> little sausages? Yeah. I mean, my boys just were lanky. They were always taller than they were wide and they just never filled out that quickly whenever they had a growth spurt. So this was always a very challenging expedition was the going shopping for swimwear. So of course, when we're missing swimwear and now we have to go shopping in a very small area of stores, this was just beyond difficult. And when we went looking for their swimwear, when we were in the Bahamas, we couldn't find anything for them. We found something for ourselves, but not for the boys. And just, I had this aha moment that why is this continuing to be so challenging when I go shopping for them for the swimwear? And I got home and it occurred to me with my background, having gone to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, and I studied textiles and I had some fashion courses. I thought I can do this and I can do this better. Like there are adjustable clothing, there's shorts, there's pants, they all have adjustable little notches in them. And why hasn't anybody thought about doing adjustable swimwear? It's such an easy concept if you think about it, but nobody's done it. And I thought about it and I thought about a lot of different design options. And I talked to my husband about it and I was kind of torn because I liked being a stay-at-home mother, but I also thought this, this is something that excites me. And I enjoyed working before. And now the kids were old enough where they were about to go to middle school. And I didn't really feel like they needed me at home as much. And I had heard a lot of rumors that once they went into middle school, they didn't really want the parents there. <laughs> My time was limited to go to the school anymore. So this was a good opportunity for me to do something I wanted to do for myself and to branch out and to, you know, go back to work a little bit. And I thought part-time and kind of explore something that would get my brain working again in a different way. So I started to research the possibilities of this idea that I had. And I spoke to my husband. He thought it was a great idea, but that's my husband. <laughs> so I tapped into a few of my friends. They thought, you know, this was a good idea. I didn't really tell them the specifics about it um, because I knew I was going to have to go seek out a patent and I didn't want to divulge too much information. But then I went to my girlfriend who I was still friends with from FIT and we sat down at dinner one day and I said, you know, I've got this great idea. I think it's a good idea, but what are you thinking? You're still working in the garment industry. You've done that since you graduated college. And she said to me, she thought, wow, this is a great idea. I, I think you should go for it. 
So for me, that was a great affirmation that mm-hmm. my idea was something that maybe could work, you know, and could be sold in stores. And perhaps I was onto something. So with her blessings and my husband's blessings, I really sat down and came up with, I I thought was a solid design concept, but now was the hard part, which was going out, finding some fabric, finding the right trims and everything that I could come up with to make a correct prototype because that in and of itself was a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. And then I knew I was going to have to go find a lawyer who I could secure my intellectual property with. And that was also a lot more challenging than I thought it would be as well. Because the first lawyer I went to told me, no, you're not gonna be able to get a patent. Mm. But I thought to myself, he doesn't get it. He doesn't really understand where I'm coming from. And he's not a mom. So I think I need a different perspective on this. So I'm not going to take no as an answer. And I'm just going to find another attorney. Good for you. So (laughs) I asked one of my friends, her husband um, was an attorney for Hearts Mountain. And I, I asked him for a referral to somebody else. And he gave me another law firm. And I went and I met with her in person. By now I had my prototype in hand. I had had it sewn and made. And that went through for a few rounds um, to make the prototype. And one that I thought was something that I could show somebody if I needed to. And they could take a look at this prototype and really understand what it was. It had the whole functionality built in the whole design concept. And now I took this prototype to the lawyer that I met with and she sat there, she looked at it, she felt it, she played with the adjustment and she took one look at me and she said, yep, I can get you a patent on this. And I really don't remember the last time I felt that kind of excitement about working you know, and about a sense of accomplishment, um, doing a job. So now I was really excited and and enthusiastic about moving forward with my new business. Um, and so the next steps were of course, creating an LLC and kind of setting up shop to, to launch this whole business. But next I then had to find a manufacturer. Mm. And that might seem like an easy thing, except that most manufacturers, they don't want to work with a private company. They want to work with agents. I had to seek out an agent in New York City who could help us make a business deal with a factory in China who could start production when we were ready on the product that I had created. And that's how we started to move forward as a Just Bones Boardware. Incredible. Well, first off, of course, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So no truer, no truer example than a mom searching for her lanky boys for some board shorts because I, I relate. My son is also very tall and very skinny, 
and it's very hard to find swimwear that fits him. So yeah. I personally am very glad to know about you and glad to know about this product. So that's exciting on a personal level, but on a, on a more macro level, kind of looking at what you had to go through to get even to that spot where you were just making the product. That's so many different hurdles coming over the hurdle of, okay, it's, it's okay for me to leave my stay at home, full-time stay at home role. Now is a good time for that. And, you know, the emotions that probably went with that and moving through those, but then just the, I was writing it down, you know, the prototype, the patent attorney, the LLC, the, <laughs> you lost me a prototype. I was like, I don't even know how would you do a prototype? You know, I mean, you had background in the fashion industry and you kind of pulled on those resources, but I'm sure that at each turn, it was another challenge. It was another hurdle to get over. So all in from the time that you kind of first got that little knowing that was saying, Hey, you know what? I can do this and I could do this. I love you said this. I can do this better. Not only can I do it, but I can do it better than what's out there from the time that you had that thought to the time that you were, you know, trying to find manufacturers, how long of a span are we looking at there? This was months. I mean, it, it literally was months. <laughs> I love that you just said months. In my mind, I thought you were going to say like, that was two years. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. Months, that's it, it, huh? It was almost a year. It took quite a while. And, and even from the time that I went to the, the intellectual property attorney, from that point to finally submitting for the patent, you have to have mechanical drawings made. There's a lot of work behind that as well. You have to have a conference call with the patent examiner. There's a lot behind that. Mm. It was 18 to 20 months, my, almost two years to get my first patent. The second patent was a little quicker, but um, it does. It's a very time-consuming process. I'm sure that each phase, it was just a new challenge and something completely different to learn. We could have a whole conversation about that yes. because that's fascinating <laughs> to me about how do you even get that happening? But we have a bigger kind of story to get to. So you, you, you're 18, kind of 20 months into this. You've put all this work into it. It's really starting to gel. Frame it up for us. Like, where was your company? Like, you've gone through all of this hard work. How far into it were you? And then you had this life-altering experience. Can we talk about that? So our business now was, you know, going along. And I started the business, got the samples. And this is now a year later. So this is a little over a year into selling the product. And right after I got back from another trade show called Surf Expo, I had gone into town to do an errand that actually had to do with the trade show. And I had just separated from my husband and kids and they decided to go get lunch. And I was standing at the crosswalk and I remember just thinking like, maybe I should have gone to lunch with them. It's so nice outside today. And it's not usually this nice when it's in September. It sometimes can be fall weather, but it was a gorgeous day. And I was still in flip-flops and, and shorts being from Florida. I was always in flip-flops. So it was warm enough and the light had turned. And I remember just crossing the street as I always did, because we lived in this town and this is where we we ran around a lot to do our errands or to go eat. 
And I was almost across the street. I was about three quarters of the way across. And I never saw what was coming because the person hung a quick left turn. And now they're coming from behind me. And just the next thing I knew, I just was waking up on the ground because the car had hit me. She didn't slow down. So there was like no brakes. I didn't hear anything. Oh I kind of heard like a loud noise. Um, but then I woke up and I, I was kind of disoriented, obviously, and confused because I had been knocked unconscious temporarily. And then I just remember looking at some guy that I didn't know. And he was holding my head and just saying to me, I'm a doctor and I'm going to help you. And that was all I knew. And I was still so out of it because it's the only way to describe, you know, your feelings when you're just coming to. And then I just remember there was people around because I guess a crowd had gathered. There was a lot of witnesses and people were walking the sidewalks. It was a Saturday afternoon and I look up and it was so strange. It was almost as if I was hallucinating and my kids are standing there on the sidewalk, just kind of staring at me like, Oh gosh, the wide eyed bewildered. And I had this fleeting thought like, why are my kids standing there? And it was so confusing. And then my husband was next to me and you know, it's, it's still, I can't put together all the fragments that I remember. I just, it's like a slideshow, you know, it's like a click and a click and a click the memories. It's never like a continuous reel, but I do remember just like specific events. And then I remember my, one of my sons coming next to me and holding my hand I couldn't tell you where my other son was at that moment because I don't remember. And then I just remember the ambulance coming. And I remember that my son wanted to go with me, but they wouldn't let him. And just just various events that I recall. And I remember them putting me on the gurney that, you know, my husband took my children separately because they had to be driven to the hospital. And I just remember the whole events of them strapping me down and I'm very claustrophobic. So I was not happy about that when they put you on the spinal board and in the cervical collar and that I remember very vividly. And I think because I was really scared, Mm -hmm. that is something that I will, will not forget the hospital itself too. I just kind of remember some some of it we were there for so long and the end result of all of that was a traumatic brain injury is that right well I had landed on my head and my my right shoulder so that was how when she hit me in the hip my right hip because it was like really bruised um for a long time I guess, however, when she threw me out of the crosswalk, that's how I had landed was on my right side, on my head and my shoulder. 
because I ended up having to have um, my right shoulder repaired. And, but I had like a huge head wound at the top of my right head. Wow. I cannot imagine. I mean, going through an accident that traumatic is on its own would be enough to recover from. And then to have a brain injury on top of that, Yeah. when, you know, your business is just starting to go and you, you know, you're finding your pipeline for selling and it's just kind of catching fire. And after all that work, I can imagine that when you first kind of got your bearings as to what was happening to you, your health had to have been obviously the number one priority of how do I move forward? What did you think? I mean, when you were kind of coming through and you realized the road you had in front of you to, to heal and to recover, and then to perhaps how you live with a traumatic brain injury, how did all those pieces come together for you in terms of your business? Did you have a moment where you thought, that's it? I mean, that this is over. Actually, yes. The first thought was, do I continue with my business? Um, and I think I, I had to take a breather for a couple of weeks and, and really think about that. Um, and as you can imagine, being home for only a week from the trade show, there's all these emails piling up in my inbox from the trade show. Yeah. And you're an entrepreneur. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of a I mean, you may have had help, but I mean, really at that stage, I'm guessing you were probably still kind of a one woman show that it's really all on you. Yeah. And we, you know, I had a couple of part-time moms helping me at that point. Um, but I mean, I, it was kind of weird because I had just had dinner with um, a couple of people in Hershey park and I was really excited. I remember about trying to land that account. There was just a lot of things going through my mind. I mean, I had still yet to go to JFK Rehab, um, well, Rehabilitation Institute to be evaluated. And so I think even at the time, I did not know how serious everything was. So a lot of things kind of transpired in between. Um, my kids had an event. Sandy ended up happening. Oh gosh, Hurricane Sandy coming rolling through our tri-state area, right? As your so that was a month later. So I kind of was still trying oh, to see doctors. Wow. Oh wow! I was like, like thrown into survival mode again, and um, it just was so much going on that I didn't have time really to evaluate what exactly I was going through yet. Um, I was still trying to, you know, decide what I was doing, but the orthopedic surgeon had told me because we were, you know, just getting through the MRI of my shoulder, the arthrogram and some other things. And I wanted a second opinion on that. And, you know, now my internist is telling me after I see the neurologist, um, actually the neurologist tells me to go to JFK and now I have to go for a second MRI of my brain because he's telling me sometimes people get brain bleeds in that one month span after an accident like that. There was just so much going on. I mean, I remember going to get that MRI on Halloween and there was no power anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Except for the, except for the hospital <laughs> because they're on a generator. So, I mean, I just, I distinctly remember that day and, um, so it really wasn't until like maybe the 
following week or so, the beginning of November, I remember because it was right after my birthday that um, I started really having PTSD issues. Um, and sometimes it does take that long for people. Um, I think because the shock had worn off, the hurricane was now settled. Then I started having really severe PTSD. And then of course I went back to my internist and I'm explaining to her what's going on because I didn't even really realize what it was. And she then referred me to somebody for that. So yes, I did go through this whole process of trying to decide what am I doing with my life right now? <laughs> yeah, that would be a major moment of evaluation and reevaluation. And, and I would think an easy spot where a lot of people would be like, you know what? <laughs> that was a lot of work and it is a lot of work. And I've got a whole new bucket of work that I have to focus on. That's why I was attracted to your story to have you come on because your, your resilience in bringing a company to be in the first place, just getting this up. I mean, anyone who knows anything about fashion, it's, it's a very, very difficult industry to break into. And so, you know, you get it there and then it's starting to roll. And then this significant, catastrophe happens in your life to your health, but yet you did keep moving forward. And so I'm just, I'm curious what you were thinking that, that got you to, you know, kind of turn that page and say, you know what? No, I'm going to move forward with this. I'm going to carry on. This was a vision that I had. This was something that I knew that it was needed and I wanted to bring it to the world. And what pushed you to do that? I did think long and hard about it. And um, there was a couple of things that propelled me forward. When I was at the trade shows, it was really hard to stand out against all of those board short companies that had come before me that were there forever. You know, all of those well-known brands. And I felt like, how can I give up now? You know, I'm just starting to get recognized and our brand is actually, we're getting traction. And that was so hard to break into that world, not just fashion, but against all of those, it's an old guy's world of like, you know, all those companies were started by surfers and, and, and they kind of were like, you yeah, know, always point. disregarding me at the shows. Like, ugh, you know, you're not going to get anywhere like with us around kind of like attitude. And so I just couldn't give that up. Part of me. And the other thing that kept me going was that we still were going for the patent. You know, I was still in the middle of that patent process. And in the back of my head, I could still hear my dad, who was the lawyer, telling me from the beginning, you're not going to get that patent. And it wasn't just his voice, but the first attorney I saw and all the doubters. And I don't know, there's just part of me that wanted to prove them all wrong, that I, I needed to fight. And I, I felt like I, I had to get, it's the end game. You know, I, I needed to cross the finish line no matter what. I mean, it just felt like I had something to finish. I started this journey with the business and I hadn't finished it yet. And I, ever since I was young, um, it's just the way that I had grown up um, 
always with, you know, something that I, I had instilled in me, but, you know, by my father and, um, he just always pushed all of us. I couldn't quit, you know, just wasn't a quitter. And I felt this need to persevere. You know, I just guess I was always just half glass full, not a half glass empty <laughs> and felt like I can't give this up because it's, it is the same as quitting. <laughs> It's really inspiring. I mean, the whole thing, even when you said that about that patent attorney and the patent attorney was like, you're never going to get a patent on this. Never mind." And you were like, but I wouldn't take no for an answer. Like, yeah, good for you. I mean, you, you had a belief in your product. You had a belief in the need and you just kept pushing on that. I think it's incredible. So I can imagine that as you decided to kind of keep the business running, that that had to be a challenge all and of its own and managing your health. So what coping strategies did you use to kind of navigate that balance? I mean, you're not only a businesswoman, you've got work, but you have kids, you have a family, and you do have the stress of the traumatic brain injury and the very real symptoms of post-traumatic stress. How did you manage all of that? Were there any specific tools that you used to help you move through that? Luckily, I had a good support system. Um, my family, it wasn't easy every day. <laughs> I mean, yes, I made the decision to continue. I guess, you know, when you have a, a traumatic brain injury, fortunately, when you go to someplace like um, JFK Rehab Institute and Kessler Institute, which are the two hospitals that I went to for outpatient therapy, Having had the injuries that I did, I went for different outpatient therapies. So I had OT and I had PT. And fortunately, they do, one of their things is they do give you coping skills. You know, you have cognitive behavioral therapy, they'll give you your physical therapy, but they are really big on mindfulness, meditation, mm -hmm. things that they want to provide you with tools to help you cope because it is a very big thing. And it's a real thing that you need things to help you when you're triggered with your PTSD or you're having hard dealing, you know, hard time dealing with your traumatic brain injury because they test you. Um, which they found out I had a processing disorder, which is executive functioning. So basically what that means is in layman's terms is I went from this type A high achieving um, multitasking personality that I always was and could do 20 things at once to now they're telling me, no, this is why you're freaking out all the time is because you can't. It's like trying to put too much into a computer at once or your, your phone and you, it kind of freaks out and shuts down on you. You know how your computer freezes. That's, that's what's going to happen to you. So now you need to do one thing at a time. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I bet that wasn't a fun thing to have to, to, to manage and to kind of coming from that type A personality yeah. of, uh, of, of go, 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 go to let's slow walk this now. <laughs> I can't imagine that would be difficult. And they said, it's not going to be easy for you. They said, it's a lot easier for a type B personality to make this transition than for somebody who has type A. 
they said, but it's really in your best interest to just slow down and just take one thing at a time. And, you know, they, they explain to you why they explain to you that it's better for your mental health and your anxiety and all these other things. And, um, there's a lot of things like that. So, and were you into mindfulness or meditation or anything like that before this experience, or was this your first kind of entry into that? I had done yoga before, but I will say I started doing a lot more yoga after the accident to try to manage my stress levels and my anxiety. And it is a real thing that yoga, meditation, it helps with pain management. It helps with anxiety and all these types of issues that come up with a lot of people that have stress disorders or mental health issues. Um, it's a proven documented way like to have therapy for people who are struggling with these types of issues. I'm curious with your slowdown, you know, you had this, it's forced on you. So you had no choice. I mean, you had to kind of slow everything down. How did you find that impacted your business? Did your business continue to thrive? Were you able to keep it going? Because I think so many people who are type A, and I think a lot of maybe recovering type A people listen to this show. That's a hard hurdle. I I still have to calibrate myself a lot. You know, like it all doesn't have to be done now, or I don't have to do the 10 things. Maybe just the one thing will be enough to get it to move forward. And I know I have found that and been surprised to find that, that the less I am push, 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 pushing, things seem to ease into place on their own a little bit. And I'm curious, did you, did you have that experience when you had to do the slowdown? How did that affect your business? It was a work in progress. Initially, it was hard to cross over the bridge from being (laughs) one type of person into another. It wasn't that I did it immediately. I don't think anybody can do that. It's a transition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it was a struggle. It was difficult. I mean, also I was dealing with so many, so many other issues at once that uh, it was challenging, just like dealing with the rest of my life at the time, going to a lot of doctor's appointments and, you know, dealing with the car accident lawsuit. Um, It's exhausting trying to transform yourself into another type of person. Yeah. I mean, it's reinventing yourself all over again. Yeah. Which I think is a common theme in everybody's lives. I mean, I think if we're honest, we all go through different phases in our lives where we are constantly forced to reinvent ourselves. If you stay stagnant, you're never going to be the best version of yourself that you can be, and you're not going to be happy. So I kind of feel like change is good and, and transformation is good. And if you want to call it reinventing, you know, I write about that in my book that this one mom (laughs) one day said to me, wow, you're always reinventing yourself, aren't you? And at the time I was very insulted Mm. because of the way she said it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
my husband said, you should just take it as a compliment. And at the time I didn't see it as that, but now I do like, I think it's great that, you know, we can change. Yeah. I think people who don't are boring. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we, it's, we talk about that on this show, actually people who have it all figured out have all the answers and everything is perfect. They're very uninteresting. You know, there's really not a whole lot of excitement right there, but certainly no one wants to have transformation thrust upon them the way that you did, but the way that you have framed that and the way that you have moved through it with such optimism and just looking at it with the, the lens of this is a transition. I've got to now move over this bridge into this new life and embracing that that's what it is. I think that's incredible. I, it's, I can imagine that there has to be some amount of ease that comes with just accepting that that's what is happening and, and kind of going with that. Did you find that in your life? Later on, yeah. after I, you know, kind of had closure on some things, mm-hmm. I think when you're in it, like anything else, it's so hard to see what's happening. But then when you get past the hurdle and you're able to look back and, you know, there's a different kind of acceptance I think whenever you're in something, it's so hard to see past that, but um, because there's so much chaos and whenever you're in the middle of chaos, it's like being in a tornado. I mean, who can see through that? But I was always just so thankful, to be honest, that that is another reason that I think it was a reason for me to just keep moving forward because I knew that that day could have turned out very differently had Mm. she been driving an SUV or a different car. And that was always in the back of my head. Like I never lost sight of that, Wow. that, you know, that day just could have been different. Mm. So for me, I just always looked at it like I'm still here. So, you know, why should I give up now on anything that I have? What a great message. I mean, what a great message. People talk about gratitude as such a powerful tool to pull us through the hardest, hardest things. And I think you said it best when you said, when you're in the middle of it, it is like a tornado. I mean, you cannot see in front of you. You cannot see. There's no clarity. The dirt is spinning all around you. And the fact that you could find like just little pockets of gratitude I, I can only imagine that that helped kind of lead you through. So I, we're, we've talked for so long. I could keep chatting with you about so many things, but I want to know where is your business right now? How are you doing right now? How was everything going after you've kind of seen yourself through this, this storm and now you're on the other side? How is everything going? Yeah, so things were going great and chugging along and and we are now in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> you get another swing at the gratitude bat. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm still thankful. We have some wonderful people that I know. I still talk to many of my initial buyers, which is fabulous. I mean, I could not be happier that we stay in touch. Unfortunately, there are many that are you know, they're on furlough or they're not working right now because of the 
pandemic and the mandated shutdowns that had occurred, um, it's unfortunate what it's done to the apparel industry. We're in production right now, like I said. Um, things have changed a little bit, but we've pivoted in what we're doing. Um, luckily, we're selling a lot online and we do have our customer base that we have. And we also have um, our retail buyers. Things kind of shifted with our production cycle because of the shutdowns, but one can just go with the flow and, you know, you have to do what you do when, whenever you have to make adjustments. It's kind of like I had to adjust my life. Yeah, I just have to adjust my business now. <laughs> There's really not another choice. <laughs> Yeah, which actually leads us to your the title of your book, which I think is really a great title, Sink or Swimwear, which really kind of puts a fine point on this whole thing. You really could have, you really could have sunk. I mean, after an accident like that, I think people hit so many roadblocks in their path, in their journey of what they want to do, what they feel called to do. You know, one small thing that patent attorney could have stopped a lot of people, you know, and you just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then you had this accident. So sink or swimwear, I think is a great title for your book because it reflects so much of what you have come through and what you've done and your business is still moving on and moving forward after all of this. So tell us a little bit about the book, where we can find it, where we can find you, how people could follow and, and, and hear more about your story. So really we're at a lot of online stores. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, I mean, wherever you buy online books, but I would encourage you if the easiest place I think to get is Amazon, if you're an Amazon member. And then we also have some other merchandise, um, on our website as well. Wonderful. Well, it has been an absolute delight talking to you and hearing your story. You are an inspiration to people who are trying to push forward in their own lives with their own dreams and what they want to accomplish. And just the fact that you could overcome so much, so in such a hard journey and be able to see this through to the other side gives us all such hope and inspiration that we can do the same thing. And so I thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here today. I encourage everybody to go out, Jennifer Weissman, check out her book, Sink or Swimwear, check her out online, and definitely be sure to check out those, those board shorts for those lanky tall boys. I know that's why I'm on my way to check that out at Just Bones Boardwear to check that out for my son. So thank you, Jennifer, for being here today. I appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you so much, Becky. Thanks for having me. I would love to hear what you thought of today's show. Did you get something valuable from it? If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends and family. I want everyone to unleash their soul song because the world needs all our beautiful music. I'd also really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review. You may not realize it, but that's the best way to help other people find the show. I hope you'll come visit with me at theintuneexperience.com. While you're there, download your free copy of Intune Insights, designed to inspire you to unleash your soul song. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song. Shoot me a message. Let me know. What'd you think about the show? Tell me what you want to hear about and what you're struggling with so that I can craft shows that provide you with insights, inspiration, and the tools you need to venture on your own personal journey. Listen, this world is busy. 
Our days are really full and life is super distracting. We're pulled in so many different directions every day. And so I thank you for joining me here today. Have a great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street. Form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.